Chapter 17 The Hunting of the White Stag The battle was all over a few minutes after their arrival. Most of the enemy had been killed in the first charge of Aslan and his companions, and when those who were still living saw that the witch was dead, they either gave themselves up or took to flight. The next thing that Lucy knew was that Peter and Aslan were shaking hands. It was strange to her to see Peter looking as he looked now. His face was so pale and stern, and he seemed so much older. I'm Bethy, and this is Katie. Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan. Together we're exploring the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And Katie, this is the final chapter. I can't believe it. I honestly can't either. It really feels like we started a moment ago. I think so too. That's wild. Well, in the final chapter, the battle has ended and many, including Edmund, require healing from both Aslan and Lucy. Afterward, the four Pevensies are crowned kings and queens, and they rule and grow well for many years, until they decide to go hunting for a stag, who leads them back to the wardrobe and home to our world. I think you fit that into two sentences. I did. <laughs> yeah. It would be really hard to write a recap for this section. There's so many different pieces. Honestly, it was. And as I was writing it, I was realizing that I'm very impressed by C.S. Lewis with this chapter. Hmm. As someone who is working on writing a book, the idea of writing a final chapter that has this many things to wrap up is really intimidating. We cover, I think it might be like four different scales of time that we're moving through. At the beginning, we're right in the heat of action still, the battle finishing up and Lucy going around to help heal everybody. And then it moves back a notch. We get a sentence about each day of their travel to Care Paravel and about their coronation. And then we back way up and it's all the years of their reign. Yeah, suddenly Peter is a tall, barrel-chested man. Mm-hmm. And Susan's hair reaches all the way to the floor. Almost to her feet. Almost. Okay, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, actually, that really surprised me. Yeah, that's a long hair. It's a lot to maintain. And then we back up even further, and they've returned to the wardrobe and their children again, talking to Diggory. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love that we end with the professor. Oh, me too. He's the last voice in the whole thing. And he's so wise. He knows just how to handle it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure I do. Reading this chapter, it's a lot to take in, like all these years and years of their rule. I'm glad it doesn't get super emphasized or anything. It's just, it's all denouement. But it's a lot to try and swallow in one. I don't know. It's, it's so different. Yeah. It's so different that they even change the way that they speak. Exactly. Well, Katie, what's something that stood out to you? I was really impressed by Peter when he's talking to Aslan about the battle. He says, like he volunteers this information from the very beginning. It was all Edmund's doing, Aslan. We'd have been beaten if it hadn't been for him. Think of the whole book and how Edmund has been longing to hear this sort of praise from Aww. the very beginning. Edmund's not even here to he hear it right now, although I'm sure it will be repeated. I mean, he becomes a knight on the battlefield. Right. But... Edmund couldn't get this for himself the way he was looking for it, and yet here Peter is ready to give it to him. That, that's just beautiful to me. Yeah, it's really important. What did you notice, Bethy? Something that I wondered about was this conversation between Susan and Lucy, where Lucy asks Susan, doesn't Edmund know that Aslan died for him? Shouldn't, shouldn't someone tell him? Yeah. 
Susan says, surely not. Think of how you'd feel if you were in his position. It'd be too awful. Lucy says, all the same. I think he ought to know. And then they get interrupted. Mm -hmm. And we never find out. We never find out. I know. Why do you think Lewis did that? I think he wants us to ask each other. Mm, Okay. Later on, we see that Edmund is described as solemn and wise Edmund the Just. And it's up to us to decide if he has grown that way just through the years of being a king, or if it's because of all that happened in this story, or does he learn about what Aslan did for him? And that's what makes him so solemn and wise and just. Yeah, I get the feeling by taking the book as a whole that he does know because of that, how he grows. But even in his conversation with Aslan already, remember when they were talking before and Aslan said, like, I had it covered, you don't need to bring it up with him. It's not that I think he told him ahead of time what was going to happen, but he either already knew as much as he needed to know, or he's ready to know the rest now. Yeah, I kind of started to imagine, like, maybe it didn't come up for years and years, and like 20 years later, Lucy was like, Edmund, I have something I need to tell you. Hmm. Well, but... That's just my imagination. <laughs> hmm. Then they were interrupted. It doesn't even say by what. Right. Clearly on purpose, I think. Right. We're not supposed to know if Edmund knows. Or maybe we're supposed to think whether he ought to be told ourselves. Mm. Do you think he should be told? Well, Aslan's still around, so it seems like right now everybody can follow his lead. And for that reason, I'd say maybe not, actually, unless Aslan does tell him. But if it's something people are talking about or I don't know. Like, I would have 100% said yes, except for Aslan still being around and not leading the way in that. Hmm. What do you think? Well, I obviously am going to draw a line between this and Jesus dying for us. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't know the full extent of what has been done for us, then grace is kind of cheapened. Hmm. So I think Edmund ought to know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Lucy's the one who wants him to know is also a hint in that direction because she's kind of the guiding star. She's usually right. (laughs) She's usually right. She knows. Yeah. She's just smart. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I noticed is that before they leave for Care Paravel, suddenly, without anyone knowing where Aslan got the food, there's a fine high tea for everyone. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had high tea? Once. Uh, me too, only birthday. once, and it was amazing. Oh, what did you remember eating? Lots of different kinds of tiny cakes and tiny sandwiches. Yes. Clotted cream oh, and scones. So good. And just really, really good tea. Yes. Tea, tea, tea. <laughs> and what's that bubbly drink? It's like a Prosecco. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really funny that of all of the types of feasts, I know. That's the kind that they had. The feeding of the 5,000 is like... Was a high tea. <laughs> Cucumber sandwiches. <laughs> it's quite a good celebration. They just walk a day's walk each day until they get to the ocean. And it's as if they've known the whole time that that's what they were longing to reach. It says, The smell of the sea and the long miles of bluish green waves breaking forever and ever on the beach. And oh, the cry of the seagulls. Have you heard it? Can you remember? Which makes you stop and think. Okay, let's pause. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can remember. the sound. Whenever I hit that point in the book, I kind of want to cry. I just, anytime I'm not at the ocean, I'm kind of sad that I'm not at the ocean, you know? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, yes. 
So in that moment, I always, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Hmm. I think Lewis must have felt that way too. It becomes a central point of so many of the books. And actually of Narnia. Like Narnia can't really hold a candle to some other countries when it comes to on the land battle. But at sea, nobody can beat them. I agree. I think that Narnia really has that going for it. And we see, once again, hints of Voyage of the Dawn Treader when Lewis refers to people of the sea. I was thinking about that, too. When we meet some of those in Voyage, they're pretty different. And Lucy's confused by it because she remembers these ones. Yeah, there's a massive passage of time. We see in this chapter that there's lots and lots of connections that are being forged and... Lots of time is being put into Narnia making good friends with all kinds of other countries. Mm. And then when they come back, it just has fallen apart. But it's really beautiful to see the connections for just even a moment in this chapter. This is the golden age of Narnia, Mm. when there's the four thrones all filled. They're crowned, and Aslan says, bear it well. And they do. I really liked how it talked about their reign. Yeah, what did you notice about that? Well, I thought it was funny. It started out with some very serious things, and bit by bit, it got more mundane and just sweet. <laughs> yeah, it started to be about busybodies in the exactly. end. Exactly. <laughs> it starts out there hunting down all the last remnants of the evil and the witch's army, and they made good laws and kept the peace and saved good trees from being unnecessarily cut down and liberated young dwarfs and young satyrs from being sent to school. Which I'm like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and generally stopped busybodies and interferers and encouraged ordinary people who wanted to live and let live. <laughs> That's what it takes to be a king or queen. <laughs> Which I think is more of a sign that they're doing just a really good job. Mm-hmm. That it just got more and more simple and mundane. And yeah, let's all just keep living this good life that we've made. Mm-hmm. They all have these lovely descriptions given to them. But when Edmonds was described... I got a little teary. His is the best. Edmund was a graver and quieter man than Peter, and great in counsel and judgment. He was called King Edmund the Just. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yes, Edmund. Yes, yes, yes. Just such victory. And what must have that been like for all of the kids back at this terrible school when Edmund the Just comes back to school the following year? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Just a totally different guy. Yes. Wow. Little by little. Not not blaring in with trumpets, but solid. It would be really hard to return to childhood after going that deeply into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was really glad for the last couple of pages where they're talking with the professor because it shows them being themselves again, their child selves. And he's such a good one to guide them through what to do. But it's like when they come back, they're in their ordinary clothes. And fortunately, they're also in their ordinary minds again, like they're they're younger versions. They're just Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. (laughs) They're just that. I like that Susan ends up saying, if you all want to go, she says, if you will all have it so, let us go on and take the adventure that shall fall to us. Yeah, it feels very I'm game if you are. Mm Mm-hmm. She didn't want to leave Narnia or go to this strange whatever's next, but she does. I've always appreciated her for that. They don't need to leave Narnia. It's a little sad when they have to leave. It's super sad. I remember hitting this chapter as a kid, and I just hated it. I hated that they left. Hmm. It genuinely made me mad that C.S. Lewis wrote that in, to a point that sometimes I would skip that chapter 
I've still never feel. been good at goodbyes. You're not that fun. No. Well, it's just the beginning of the adventures of Narnia. Hmm. I don't like the part when Aslan leaves. Yeah, he leaves without saying goodbye. I know. Mr. Beaver says he'll be coming and going. One day you'll see him, another you won't. He doesn't like being tied down. And he has other countries to attend to. It's quite alright. He'll often drop in. You mustn't press him. He's wild, you know, not like a tame lion. Which I've always appreciated that, not a tame lion. But this time I really didn't like the idea that, like, oh, God will sometimes be there for you and sometimes not. Right. Not that that's what it means. I mean, you can't always tell how God is present. Or you can't control God, definitely. But God's desire is to dwell with us. And he does like being tied down to us. That's the whole point of covenant. He's going to attach himself, like limit himself for us. Right. God doesn't come and go for us. So I think more the point is the same as like, don't try and get into Narnia the same way twice. Like you can't just conjure up an experience when you want to. How interesting. I always felt like the point of that was that Jesus isn't always around in the flesh. Hmm. That makes sense. We don't get quite a whole new mythology in here, so yeah, have to deal with just a little bit of an incomplete paragraph. But really, he has other countries to attend to. He's too busy to come hang out with you. Is that true? Is Aslan, like, in charge of other countries? And I thought Narnia was his place. Well, we know he shows up in Arkenland. That's true. And the Lone Islands. Yeah, and all the way in that island of darkness. I'm so glad they talked to the professor after. This would have been a really sad ending if they just arrived back. Oh, yeah. But instead, they go talk with him, and he helps them figure out how to live forward. I think it's hilarious that their reason for talking to him is they really must explain why four coats are missing. Which just shows me they are their old selves again. Yes, that's true. And also, part of his response to them was, even if you were to find the coats, they will be no good anymore. (laughs) It's true. They've been there for like 40 years in Narnia. Yeah. Yeah, how old do you think they each got? Do you think it was about 40 years? That means that Peter would be like 55 years old. I don't think they're quite 40. I mean, I don't think they've been there 40 years. Maybe he's 40 years old. Maybe. Like, really? We have no way to know. I like that it says that the years passed over them. I know. I liked that, too. It's a really nice way to think of it. Like, they are doing their own thing, and the years are doing their own thing. <laughs> but it's really funny to me that they don't remember their old life. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Like... Is that okay? I mean, I just think this whole section of the chapter isn't really in the story in the same way anymore. It's like it's turning into a myth a little bit. A little bit. It's like a, like someone telling the story. And if they ever remember their life in this world, it was only as one remembers a dream. A little bit King Arthur-ish. Exactly. And same when they start talking in these different voices. Fair friends, here is a great marvel, for I seem to see a tree of iron. You know, it, it's moved into a different type of story for a while. Maybe these are the type of stories that people tell around Prince Caspian's time. That'd be fun. Well, our sacred reading today focuses on the section where we see Edmund's transformation back to who he's supposed to be. We're going to do Lectio Divina today, which by way of reminder is reading through the passage three times, each time listening for something a bit different. This is the scene where Edmund has been terribly injured and Lucy puts some drops of cordial in his mouth to heal him. And she wants to pay attention and just watch Edmund, but Aslan sends her off to take care of others too. But finally she can come back. So this first time listening, we'll just listen for what's happening. Daughter of Eve, said Aslan in a graver voice. Others also are at the point of death. Must more people die for Edmund? I'm sorry, Aslan, said Lucy, getting up and going with him. And for the next half hour they were busy. 
she attending to the wounded while he restored those who had been turned into stone. When at last she was free to come back to Edmund, she found him standing on his feet, and not only healed of his wounds, but looking better than she had seen him look, oh, for ages. In fact, ever since his first term at that horrid school, which was where he had begun to go wrong, he had become his real old self again, and could look you in the face. And there, on the field of battle, Aslan made him a knight. Wow. Yeah. That cordial also heals mental illness. Hmm. I thought it was the resurrection. Do you think it was the cordial? Wait, say more. Must have been. Oh, well, I was thinking this is the first time we've seen Edmund since Aslan was raised. But you're right. It's also this cordial she poured in his mouth. (laughs) It must be bull. That was really interesting that Aslan and Lucy were going around healing together. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, very stressful for Lucy because she'd rather be with Edmund. But so cool to just witness so many healings. Mm -hmm. And it surprised me to see them kind of partners, like equal. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for some reason I assumed that Edmund was back to his old self because of the cordial. Like, it healed him so completely that it even healed him of the hurt that this school caused. Wow, that's strong cordial. (laughs) That's good. Well, when it's put like that, I think it has more to do with Aslan. Hmm. It's definitely a holy cordial. Are you ready to listen again? Yeah. This time listen for a word or a phrase that stands out to you. I'm sorry, Aslan, said Lucy, getting up and going with him, and for the next half hour they were busy, she attending to the wounded while he restored those who had been turned into stone. When at last she was free to come back to Edmund, she found him standing on his feet, and not only healed of his wounds, but looking better than she had seen him look, oh, for ages. In fact, ever since his first term at that horrid school, which was where he had begun to go wrong, he had become his real old self again, and could look you in the face. And there, on the field of battle, Aslan made him a knight. Did you have a phrase or a word? Yeah, mine was in the face. Hmm. It's different than in the eye. True. In the face feels really complete, like... Edmund isn't looking at you to find one certain thing. He's just looking at you. Full in the face. Yeah. Willing to see it all. And to be seen, too. I think that maybe was missing before. Oh, for sure. Was there a word or a phrase for you? Same sentence. I noticed the phrase, his real old self. (laughs) Aw. Like, that's the one that the kids have been fighting for this whole time. Yeah. That's the Edmund they know and love. They love this Edmund. That's who they wanted to rescue the whole time. And it's who he really is. It's not like his better version that he had to strive to become or something. It's who he always was underneath. That's really sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course they know who that is. Like, your siblings are some of the only people in the world who really know your full self Mm. from the beginning to the end. It's really special. Yeah. Well, this time we'll listen for an invitation. I'm sorry, Aslan, said Lucy, getting up and going with him. And for the next half hour, they were busy, she attending to the wounded while he restored those who had been turned into stone. When at last she was free to come back to Edmund, she found him standing on his feet, and not only healed of his wounds, but looking better than she had seen him look, oh, for ages. In fact, ever since his first term at that horrid school, which was where he had begun to go wrong, 
He had become his real old self again, and could look you in the face. And there on the field of battle, Aslan made him a knight. I think my invitation is to know who someone's really supposed to be, to look for that, to see it, and trust it's there, and not just think, oh, they're just this, or they're just that. But like the children with Edmund, to love who they actually are, and fight for it, be excited for it. That's awesome. (laughs) Did you have one? I think my invitation is to be willing to look at the bigger picture the way that Lucy is able to after a moment, to be reminded that my priorities aren't necessarily the important priorities. That's hard. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. But worth thinking about. And it seems like in the midst of going around healing people, I don't think she's sad and pining the whole time. Maybe every now and then her heart catches for Edmund, but she's also enjoying the work she's doing. Yeah, I mean, it must be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready to look at some scripture? I am. We're going to take a look at Micah 6.8, and I want us to think about the whole chapter within this. How does this apply to the coronation, the healing, the kind of rulers that we see the four become, and then the conversation with the professor at the end? Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The first part of the chapter that comes to mind for me with this passage is that part about them making just laws and ruling and living the good life with their subjects. Yeah, that came to mind for me as well. And just all of the really just and merciful and humble ways that their characters show up. I saw the humility with Lucy with her helping Aslan heal. And Peter with giving Edmund the credit for the battle. Absolutely. Also, when Aslan slips away and they can't control him, he's not a tame lion. Walk humbly with your God. One spot that I really saw this actually was in the conversation with Professor Diggory. Huh. He gives them several pieces of advice, just as this passage gives us several pieces of advice. Hmm. So I want to take a look at those. Yeah. I'm curious what you found. He says, don't try to get there at all. It'll happen when you're not looking for it. And don't talk too much about it, even among yourselves. Don't mention it to anyone else unless you find that they've had adventures of the same sort. And he'll say, well, of course you'll know who they are. You'll be able to tell. Just some really solid pieces of advice. And I want to look at those keeping in mind the story that we've read previously about Diggory. Hmm. He's lived this life. He knows wisdom for the journey. I mean, it's very obvious that he has also come across people who have stepped into Narnia. Wow. Because he says you can tell by odd things they say or even their looks. That's so interesting. There's so much more story behind this paragraph. And he wants them to be careful and protect Narnia because, I mean, he went to Narnia with Uncle Andrew and saw that people can harm that wonderful place Hmm. if they're not careful with who they share it with. I didn't think of that protecting narnia i figured partly they're they're protecting themselves too from running up against all these unnecessary people not believing them definitely 
but they knew that they should talk to the professor about it. It's not that they knew he had had the same sort of adventure, but somehow they did have that, you're the person we should talk to. Right. He says odd things. (laughs) True, he does. (laughs) They can tell there's something about him. So how do you see a connection to Micah 6 here? Just the list of wisdom Hmm. that the professor himself acts justly and mercifully towards them. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he's very humble. Like, he's not he's not going to sit there and tell them his story. Sure, yeah. He sat there and listened to their story of the years and years and years that they spent in Narnia. And he didn't say anything about himself. Yeah. And even this approach to Narnia is humble. A way of walking humbly with Aslan, even, who opens the portals. Right. Between worlds. Don't go looking for them. Don't try and control it. Be ready. Yeah, trust that you'll be back. Hmm. But... Don't feel like you have to make sure you'll get back. Mm -hmm. It's not up to you. Makes it simple. They don't come back to a list of rules and requirements, do's and don'ts. Just what has God shown you? Do this, do this, and this is the life you're supposed to live. Right. And Diggory has experienced that. Aslan showed him justice and loving mercy and humility. And so, of course, Diggory is going to approach this conversation with these kids thinking, well, if they've hung out with Aslan, they'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to be just fine. But let me give them a bit of advice. Protect Narnia. Be humble about it. Stick together. Keep your eyes open for other people. I saw this meme and it's a guy looking in a post office box and it says, Narnia, the search begins. (laughs) Looking behind every door. (laughs) Not what the professor recommended. I do wonder if he went back and looked in the wardrobe. Mm, I would. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would too. Maybe they did too from time to time. Yeah, maybe. Just to remember. So, Katie, how are we going to apply all of this to our lives? Well, I think the part that I want to apply. It's just out of part of the book, but I really, really love that part where Peter is giving credit to Edmund. Mm. And one time my mom told me when I was younger, we might have talked about this before even, I was being mean to my little sister or something, kind of putting her down for not being able to do something because I was two years older. And my mom did the best parenting move. And instead of kind of cracking down on me for that, she talked to me and she said, You know, I've noticed how when you say something nice to Anna or encourage her, how she just lights up. She really trusts words from you as her big sister. Wow. And I felt so much honor and potential to be a good big sister and make someone light up like that. Wow. And Peter's doing that here, not even trying to. It's just that's become his habit is he knows where credit's due and he's going to give it. And he loves his brother and he wants everyone to know what his brother did, his little brother. That's so sweet. Mm -hmm. So applying that, I want to talk up the people I love. Mm. (laughs) My application is in the moment when Aslan crowns everyone kings and queens. He says, once a king or queen in Narnia, always a king or queen. Bear it well. I really like that idea that we can bear something like that well, and they do. But it's not something light. He's not like, enjoy, or have a nice time. Hmm. He is handing them a weight and saying, bear it. Hmm. There's just so much responsibility that comes with that, and they're so good at it. Hmm. So I'm about to step into a month of teaching dance at a camp, 
And mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool responsibility because I get to teach art to young people. Mm-hmm. The people who in my life have taught me art have changed my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited for that. And I want to bear it well. I want to remember that it's a responsibility and to plan all of my classes carefully and to choose my words carefully and to lead in my movement by example. That's cool. That's interesting that it's once a king or queen in Narnia, always a king or queen when there's so much about them leaving Narnia in this chapter. What does that mean for them to be kings and queens of Narnia when they're gone? Oh, I've always felt like that was his way of saying, like, you're not always going to be here, but whenever you return, you'll still have this. Oh, which does happen. It's an amazing ending to the story. Will you read it to us? Yes, let's hear. Eh? What's that? Yes, of course you'll get back to Narnia again someday. Once a king in Narnia, always a king in Narnia. But don't go trying to use the same route twice. Indeed, don't try to get there at all. It'll happen when you're not looking for it. And don't talk too much about it, even among yourselves. And don't mention it to anyone else, unless you find out that they've had adventures of the same sort themselves. What's that? How will you know? Oh, you'll know all right. Odd things they say, even their looks will let the secret out. Keep your eyes open. Bless me, what do they teach them at these schools? And that is the very end of the adventure of the wardrobe. But if the professor was right, it was only the beginning of the adventures of Narnia. So this was only the beginning of the adventures of Narnia. See you next week with an episode wrapping up all of our final thoughts on the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Bless me, what do they teach them at these schools? What do they teach them? You know what? Not anything that a dwarf or a fawn or a satire needs. True.